Just buy me flowers every day and keep that butthole open, buddy. Woo! See? Flowers and buttholes. I assume we're already flowers we're already going in. Buttholes. We're actually on? We're live? Oh, get into your suit. What are you doing? I oh my already God. am. He looks terrible. I apologize. Boy, I'm just gonna go for like my this. fat friend. All right. Ready to go. I signed on the dotted line. You got a Russell Kane now. When I don't think I've ever actually signed on a dotted line. I've signed on like lines, mm. but never actually dotted line. Why is it sign on the dotted line? I don't know. I used to love in wrestling when they brought out the contract for the guy to sign <laughs> and it was like a big ordeal, but then it just always led to the guy was about to sign it and then he gets hit with a chair. Of course. Or someone slides in and, you know, <laughs> usually a chair, but something's going to happen. How about Stone Cold? How awesome was that? I... I was so pumped. I was like literally standing up and like cheering. cheering. Like, I, like, did you know? Like, I was a little kid. Did you have you talked to him? Did you know what was going on? I, you were, you've been helping him out a little bit and staying in touch. Yeah, no, I, I, I had no idea. And so I was really so excited. Cool. My brother texted me and uh, he's like, he just typed in stone cold, stone cold like twice. And I just went right to Monday Night Raw, Raw and started. Uh, wow, you almost, you drifted right back into like your New York at Raw. Yeah, yeah, Raw. Raw yeah. yeah, yeah, we was watching, we yeah, was watching Raw, was Raw, Raw on Monday night. It was, uh, it was awesome. Um, that was, that was, I love that, that like, <clears throat> I love how they built it up and they just kept milking it and milking it. And you, you knew that McMahon was going to get a goddamn yeah, stunner. <laughs> how McMahon's <clears throat> speech was great about how he's getting old and he can't see and he can't do this and he can't do that. He's like, Steve, I can't, you know, get involved in this kind of thing anymore. Confrontations. But my, then he sells his son. son. His son gets sold up the river again for, I mean, how many times has that happened? Oh my God. And his son got two stunners. It's amazing. How, the, since you were a wrestler and, you know, no Steve Austin, no John, I mean, how actually talented is the McMahon family? <clears throat> As far as like oh, knowing yeah. how to move and rest. Oh, I mean, you, you can't just take a stunner and no, you know, there's a, there's a whole process to the whole thing. You got to actually yeah. understand how to move and know what's going on. And I mean, he's been doing this for Christ. How long at this point? Like 40 years. Yeah. Vince McMahon is probably about 70, like one or two, um, or at least close to that. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's getting up there in age. Um, and he's, he always stays in good shape. Uh, last I heard, and now this is a several years ago, is that he hit a 600 pound squat. He was a big fan of, uh, doing box squats. I remember. Yeah. So it was probably like a high cheated Dave Tate slash <laughs> Mark Bell squat. Uh, but nonetheless but at 70 years old. Yeah. Nonetheless, strong, strong guy still moving around some weight. Awesome. Um, and, and always staying in shape. And then with Shane, Shane has gotten into the ring and done some pretty crazy shit where he jumps from one side of the ring to the other he was, and kicks the guy, kicks the guy in the head with that drop kick move. He, I mean, he was active. Like that was kind of, was that when raw really kind of blew up when he kind of jumped in and he kind of took the company over from Vince or they split it somehow. And there was that big feud and everything. Yeah, between. it was, it was, uh, but he so was in the ring yeah. fairly often. Yeah. He's in the ring a lot. He was in the ring a lot. And he was, he was wrestling, yeah. not enemy. He I'd would say come wrestling, out there. Wrestling was really at its peak, maybe a little bit before that, just because, that's when you had The Rock, Stone Cold, The Undertaker, Kurt Angle, Mick Foley. Like it was just. And then you had WCW too. Yeah, and which then they was yeah. going on, you know, kind of up against, and you had the whole. You know, that had to feel good. 
<laughs> to just fucking buy out the competition and yeah. be like, all right, this is done. But the, he did that brilliantly because he sent his son over and then they had this big like rival everything mm-hmm. over and then they just, they just yeah. brought everything kind of together. Yeah. The, the fight, the fighting back and forth was, was, was really good. It was so good. But Vince, you know, Vince is so talented that, you know, he, he understands that having like the boss in the ring versus stone cold is, is like epic. Right. But, <laughs> He would never do anything that jeopardized the company. So he got in such good shape that he actually did full on matches with people. Yeah. And it's not like he was some, you know, great gifted wrestling talent or anything, but he, but he wasn't a job or no, he figured out a way to make it work. And then, um, you know, he, he ended up like winning the Royal rumble and like all kinds <laughs> of crazy shit. Uh, I, I could be wrong. There could be a couple of wrestling fans that are getting all pissed off, but I, oh, I do sorry. remember uh you know he had some epic battles with uh stone cold and coming out in those black jeans oh, like God. the black kind of acid wash jeans yep. that were way too tight yep. with the black tank top but he was jacked not a great look like overall but yeah i mean especially considering his age at that point i mean he this is what 10 this is close to 20 years ago i guess really when he was when he was doing it still over 50 years old he's still vince mcmahon that. knows what the fuck he's doing he All took the time. He took big jack people and had them fucking battle it out. And he just didn't care. He wanted them to be bigger all the time. You know, Andre the Giant, you know, shit like yeah, that. Yeah. And you Great look at, uh, you look at like Strongman and Strongman has that same feel. Yep. How many weight classes are there at the Arnold Classic? <laughs> There's zero. None. And uh, they do have uh, some women's stuff here and there, but it's, it's rare for anybody to talk or even care that much about it. It's just not, it's not nearly as popular. People want to see the biggest strongest baddest dudes lift the heaviest shit yep and i think in pro wrestling it was the same it was like a freak show it was one person after another uh being either super athletic or jacked and you talk about wrestling talent and uh the reason why stone cold is so such an important piece of the puzzle is um and, and the rock in some ways but stone cold was just amazing as an actual wrestler yeah and then obviously when he got the microphone and stuff he knew what to do with it then yeah. And he knew, he knew what the crowd wanted. He knew how to really work the crowd. And then the rock was like on another level, but in a different way, the rock was just insanely entertaining. Um, and the rock had just crazy work ethic in the ring as well, but was maybe just more athletic than stone cold. So those two guys were pivotal. And, Miami as a football oh my God. I know that. I mean, that's just, I mean, I, that gives you an idea of, uh, that's of, when the U was the U. Yeah, the or it was becoming the U, I guess. I mean, but that's when they were uh, about as uh, the baddest of the bad that there could be. So last time you and I podcasted together, we got talking about some old times of uh, powerlifting, the WPO days and stuff like that. And uh, it was so fun. I love those are great oh, memories. Yeah. And I mean, even when we were done, we were trying to walk, we were walking out the door and we just, we just kept talking about it. We got asked questions about all sorts of other stuff, too. So, yeah, it was a great fun good stuff yeah we love that love that intensity so fun you know with raw power the thing there's comes a lot of intensity too i mean you're gonna bring it every single time that you lift and, you, and you're gonna put the most into it that you possibly can uh but the fear factor is not is kind of different it's not it's not on the same level because the weights just aren't the same right you know you might have a i think uh with just knee wraps on i think you've squatted over 700 pounds mm-hmm. the huge difference between that and, and then handling 900 pounds yeah. Even though they're both, they're built, both represent maxes in some way. Uh, but the feel is different and a lot of components of it are, are just different and you got to get fucking fired up for it. You do. And I mean, 
I always felt better, honestly, uh, in equipment. I always felt that. Yeah. I, I, I at least knew where, where everything kind of was. Whether felt it was a like kinesthetic feel of the suit or whatever it was. And I don't know if safe is the word, <laughs> but felt a little bit better. Safe, Sometimes, but scared. Yeah. I mean, when you stand up with something, whether it's, you know, sleeves and a belt or um, wraps and a belt, it, uh, if you're not, you know, a little wrong in the head, you know, you're standing up with pretty much, pretty much nothing. And, right. Uh, it's a, it's a whole different ball game, but you know, I mean, if you're, uh, if you train for it, you know, um, both, you know, physically and mentally, you know, I mean, you, you, uh, you train and work with a lot of people and you got, yeah. uh, Jeremy at Villa who has, uh, deadlifted, uh, what, 840 or something or 856. Eight? Yeah. Jesus Christ. At 220. Yeah. Jeremy's a beast. I haven't really seen, um, a lot of lifters be that explosive no. and just kind of be wound that tight when he goes to lift. And really it's uh, exceptional to watch, but you have a lot of great lifters. You had many lifters uh, break world records over the years and stuff. What do you think about getting fired up? Is it like an individual thing or do you want to see people get fired up? Well, personally for me, I want to see people kind of go nuts and get going. And I mean, it, it, we always talk about, you know, your opener should kind of build confidence and momentum. Second, you know, second attempt. You oh yeah. You got really good rules about that. Yeah. Second attempt. You should be, you know, either at or, you know, right below or at a PR. And third, it's just, you know, get cocky. You know what I mean? It's just do whatever you want. So as you kind of go into those attempts, I think, you know, getting more and more fired up should kind of be there. Makes sense too. You can't get cocky unless you've done something first. Yeah, you got to get confident and then kind of roll into cocky as you kind of go. And it's cocky. (laughs) Oh, man. I had to slide that in there. It was a family show for a few seconds. (laughs) Almost a big thumbs up from Smokey over there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I like to see people attack. You know what I mean? I want to see them at their best. And, you know, some people are a little bit more calm and collected. Some people need to get a little bit nuts. And then there are some people where I think, like, they're too calm. Like Tiny Tiff, I'm just like, can you care about this lift? It's three and a half times your body weight if you would get just just Mm. this much. Think about someone stole your Totino's pizza rolls and just get pissed off and, like, go attack it. Yeah. But she's just so much more kind of zen and calm about it. And um, someone like... uh, Someone like Jeremy, when he pulled, I think when he pulled 826 at the U.S. Open like two or three years ago, Zaheer was there. Mm. And Zaheer's just madman. So I was just like, hey, come over, <laughs> help me get him ready. This is, you know, a big lift. So Zaheer actually called his third attempt. He's like, Zaheer is absolutely insane. Out of his mind. He sends me DMs all the time of him with like a machine gun. <laughs> And then him lifting, and he's it'll say like let's, and it'll say fakin every time. Yeah, F A A K I N G. Yep, let's fakin go. And I I don't know what it means, but I always I always just write back thanks. That's all. Well, I mean, at least he's getting a response. It's good. That's kind. Of, I get the same ones, and I. I uh, <laughs> but anyway, I was like, hey, let's get him. Let's get him fired up. This is a big lift for him. He's like, okay, okay. So I kind of you know talk Jeremy through everything, whatever. And then he's at the chalk bowl give him his ammonia. I give the ammonia to Zaheer and I walk away because I want to see the show. Pops the ammonia open, throws it in I Jeremy. I thought you were going to say Zaheer just snapped it for himself. <laughs> so puts it in front of Jeremy. Jeremy's you know, doing this. Then he starts just hitting him on the back. And eventually after, if, during one of them, as he was going, going to the next one, Jeremy kind of like scooted out of the he way. Tried to run he, away. Just, he, ran, he ran to the platform. It was the first time I've ever seen someone run to the platform. That's great. Um, and he just kind of ran to the platform and then he had to kind of, uh, 
adjust himself and, you know, probably get back yeah. consciousness. And then he kind of walked up to the bar and he pulled it. So, I mean, not everyone can kind of handle that though. Yeah. There's a lot of people who, especially on, in, you know, in my opinion, the squat, you know, you're going to, it's a very, very technical lift. Mm -hmm. and there's so much that could go wrong. Yeah, that's true. If you're going to get nuts, the deadlift is the time to get nuts. Right. And I mean, that's when you can kind of, uh, even if maybe you're not the most technical of people, you can kind of grind things out or, you know, however you want to end up doing it. You think it matters a ton, you know, getting fired up like, uh, like it's, it's being prepared, right? Yeah. I mean, but you can't be half asleep either. Right. Right. But I mean, you know, me beating the shit out of you isn't going to add 30 pounds to your bench, That'd you know, if it did. <laughs> right. If it did, I think more yeah. people would do it. You know I mean? But there are times when people just aren't there. Yeah. And you're like, can you focus? Can you just like kind of die? I think in? we've all had that feeling. Absolutely. Like, you, like you go to lift and uh, for whatever reason, maybe it's the feedback you got from the previous set, or maybe it's feedback you got from training, or maybe there's some pain going on, but you grab the bar and uh, you have like an emptiness inside you. It's like yeah. hollow. Yeah. It's like, <clears throat> you're like, holy fuck, there's, there ain't shit there. I got no reserve. Yeah. I got, I got nothing left. When I did the um, Fit Expo years ago, before it became a popular thing, um, I remember I was getting ready for my lift and I just started kind of, you know, storming back and forth and you were like, gonna like probably pep talk me or something. And, and you just kind of looked at me and you're like, go find whatever the fuck you need to find and go do it. Yeah. And that was great because like, you kind of knew I was like soul searching kind of thing. I was just running through. Sometimes you got to give a lifter some space, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, you understood, you know, uh, me yelling at you or doing something else. You're already, you're already working through whatever the hell is going on in your head. Right. And I was like, it's out there. Go find it, man. Just right. get nuts, get out there. You know, you know where it is. And I mean, it is one of those things where, you know, if you would have come up to me and, you know, it, then we would have, you know, then I would have started yelling at you or something, but you were just, you're in your own, you're in your own thing and all, you know, you just got to make sure that the person gets to the platform. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, there are people who will just get nuts and they could time out or they just miss it or right. they overhype. You know, I've seen that we've seen that a bunch where people just yeah. get the shit kicked out of them before they even get there. And right. then they almost look like they're knocked out before they can even grab. Yeah. The I remember Chuck Vogapool, uh, literally knocked, <laughs> he knocked someone down and they had to like rewrap the guy. <laughs> Dave Tate was like, he's got his head up his ass. He's like, go up there and fucking hit him. And he like ran. Chuck was he like, all right, he just tapped him. And yeah. the guy was just boom. Absolutely. The guy was out. <laughs> So and yeah. they had to like sit him down and like fucking rewrap him and everything. And yeah, they stopped so the meat. And then the next guy, it was, it got all complicated real quick. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, there's a fine line. And then, you know, you wouldn't want to hear someone, or, you know, someone who hadn't been training with you or, you know, um, wasn't a teammate or anything to kind of get you hyped up as well. Someone needs to know how to kind of push your buttons yeah, yeah, and know true. how to get you onto that platform right. in the, in the best, uh, in the best form possible. So, I mean, if there's someone just foreign or someone you don't understand, you know, kind of getting you going, it, it becomes a lot harder with, with Zaheer and Jeremy, that was an easy thing because Jeremy would look at what they, what he would do all the time. And he just loved it. So right. I was like, Oh, I know he's going to just love, just love Zaheer kind of just we've seen, make uh, him go nuts. We've seen sometimes like I've seen from lifters, sometimes the bigger, the production, the more energy that goes into it, kind of the more, I think that maybe you recognize like this is intimidating and uh, I probably don't have what it yep. takes. So uh, I got to kind of do a special routine uh, just to get to the weight. And sometimes even if that special routine does bring you what you want and you do make the lift, sometimes it can be a bad habit to get into that because the meat might not provide that for you. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, 
yeah, you. It's not only you kind of creating or having a, a certain way about doing things. You know, a lot has to do with the surroundings and who you're lifting with, and you know what's going on at the meet. I mean, it's really hard to get pumped up for a for a third deadlift when you've made your oh, opener squat yeah. and your opener bench. It's like this has not gone well today. We're like, no, yeah. no, 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 you just let's focus on your pull. I'm like, like this focus, day is going all the let's shit. Let's go focus on some, you know, some chicken wings. You know, that's what I'm really interested mm -hmm. in. So it's hard to really kind of keep people. Yeah, where are we eating after <laughs> the meet? <laughs> keep people reeled in for something that during a meet that maybe hasn't really kind of gone their way. And um, it's always impressive to see someone who hasn't had a great day and pull something out, you know, literally. Oh, it, it's unbelievable. Deadlift. Or they miss, or they miss a second attempt deadlift and they come back come and make back, it. You're yeah. like, how the fuck they do that? And then that? they come back and they add more weight and come back and get it or just something yeah. out of, you know, out of the blue where they do that. So I mean, it's going to be so, you know, personal dependent. And Remember, I think uh, one of the things that everyone out, you know, in podcast land needs to kind of understand is that because you wear a flame beanie and like go fucking crazy doesn't mean, you know, you're going to Chuck Vogapol your last deadlift. Yeah. You know? That's a personal thing that Chuck has been doing forever. Right. That's not an act. That's who he is. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, can't steal someone's act right. and, and expect the same yeah. kind of results. You know, if you need to yeah, do. Don't be playing fucking patty cake with that goddamn <laughs> chalk bowl. That's my move. There you go. I stole that once. <laughs> Brian stole that too at the meet. He did. He good. did. He did. Um, but it's. Uh, it's five taps. It's one of those things <laughs> where you have to, you have to kind of find your own thing. And right. um, it's, it's, a, you know. People want to grab something that's either cool or they've seen somebody else do, but you know, it's uh, if that works for you, that's great. But usually it has to be Surely something not. original and your yeah. own to, for it to really be, yeah, a, be something and mean something. A, a routine that can make you more uncomfortable doing something that's uncomfortable. Um, equivalent to a basketball player shooting a free throw, right? He can dribble the ball a couple times. He can spin it. But he doesn't have the luxury of putting on like his favorite song and doing, you know, whatever he wants with the ball. He's got a certain amount of time to shoot it and get it over with. Yeah. But uh, so like within re within reason, I myself has always liked to get like I, I've always liked training more than I like meat. So I was always like, you know what? I, fuck it. I'm just going to do whatever. I'm going to do anything and everything I can to make the lift in the meat because that's what makes me feel good. Right. And gives me confidence going into the contest. And I know there's research of like, you know, you can kind of blow out your central nervous system by uh, stimulating it too much. And there's, you got the people that will say, oh, you know, just do uh, six sets of six and like no music and like just, and that's, that's hard for me. I, from, it doesn't fit my personality well. Um, I also just, for whatever reason, I, maybe I'm lazy or I'm not <laughs> sure what it is, but I really don't like multiple sets unless we're doing kind of more dynamic work. So if you tell me like six sets of six and I got to use the same weight, I'm just so, I'm like, I can't, I just, so I feel so bored. I feel trapped. Yeah. And I, you know, it, not I that think, that's not effective. I just personally feel trapped. And I think that's why, you know, I, I gravitated more towards a con conjugate style of training as well is, you know, whether it's a ADD thing or just, mm -hmm. you know, some sort of, um, concentration thing. It, um, you know, it's just not there if I have to do, and especially if it's not only do I have to do that that day, right? but you're going to tell me I have to do it Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday in somewhat of the same, you know, uh, a bracket. It's like, and don't get hyped, just fucking hit just, your Just hit your lifts and do this stuff or whatever. But I've always preferred kind of a conjugate to where you're, you know, when you're doing your dynamic stuff, it's all about, you know, trying to get yourself in a little right. bit better shape, moving perfectly, producing great force. On max effort days, it's go fucking nuts. 
And then the drop down sets, you know, that's when you and, and the accessory stuff, that's where you really get the work in. But it's um it's something that I've always gravitated more to because it matched my personality. Yeah. You know, my my attention. Well, we back, love all that. That's you know, it's that's so fun. That's why we were attracted to a lot of the West Side stuff. We loved those old videos of those guys so getting hyped up and cranking some fucking ACDC. Yeah. The people who like, like Mike Tashir is always the, my example. How like who's he, gonna, he totals over 2000 pounds in his garage. In his garage with no music, no spotters, no anything. Sometimes not even spotter bars. So, I mean, he could just drop, he could just fall He's straight down. So and ridiculously that's just strong. It. He's unbelievably strong. And, um, people who can do that, you know, more power to him. Um, it's, uh, it's awesome. And I mean, someone like Blaine Sumner who will lift, by right. himself put a shirt on first of all put a shirt on by himself but he goes crazy when he's he, well he goes nuts yeah but that's the that's yeah, he, so good yeah that's i know so I good know. but remember i still have well, that really fits his personality really well totally he's he's funny and he's outgoing first time i met him he just walked up behind me and i i've never i've never met him before this and he's just like you are so much fatter in person and i turn around <laughs> I'm like and i didn't recognize him because i i've never met him before so i was like who the and i was like okay Blaine Sumner, I was like, that was that was awesome. That was awesome. I pre I appreciated yeah. it. I thought it was fucking fun. No, he's he's actually he's he's a great guy. He's he's so incredibly nice and you know very uh, genuine. Loves and, like fish and hunt and shit. Yeah, he's a he's a real uh real dude's dude. And um, but he but he's awesome. He's so, he's great to talk to. Very generous with his time. Right. Always very generous with his advice and everything. And uh, he's just a he's just psychopath. What about like you know you talked about Zahir hitting Jeremy and stuff. Do you hit some of your lifters? I'll hit people like kind of on the um, upper on back. The tushy? Um, no, not so much. Uh, you know, kind of right around here-ish. Right. Kind of, uh, yeah, wake yeah. you up a little bit. Yeah, just kind of, not enough to, it makes a really good sound. Right. So it's more of a show thing than anywhere right, right. else. Makes a good sound, a good big slap. More like the old steel chair to the yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. The same thing. Um, <laughs> makes a good sound, you know, kind of just enough to make you feel a little bit of sting yeah and then you can kind of run out there and then you know you know the the whole goal there is you know hopefully you don't feel the sting of the bar anymore <laughs> so there was uh that old video of you <laughs> of you getting hit by your coach yeah and then like it's amazing to watch because you know at you're like you're you're getting ready for a big squat and yes. coach is trying to get you hyped and he kind of I can't remember exactly what he did, but he kind of ended up hitting you in the face. I think. Yeah, I think maybe he was like trying to do something a little different, but <laughs> it didn't work out that way. And he kind he slapped you, and then you took like a half a step, and then you were like, "Wait a second, this motherfucker just slapped me!" And you're like, <laughs> "Fuck that!" And you just chuck his ass out of the way. Yeah, uh, he he wanted to slap me for the longest time, and uh, I just wasn't interested in it because it it was gonna fuck me up. Right. Um, and, it wasn't going to help. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, don't, you know, not necessarily right then, but I told him in the past, I was like, don't hit me. I don't want to be hit. And I even told him, I was like, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back first of all. So, I mean, you got to, you know, be ready for that. So yeah, there was kind of a delay and it was kind of just like, I think I put the chalk down and then I just hit him and then shoved him out of my way. And, uh, that, that was kind of that. His and hat went flying. Hat off. went flying. And I mean, he was just, he had a big, just a uh, hand mark across his face. <laughs> So, you know, it was, um, it was, it was, it was a good show. Unfortunately, I ended up missing the lift. Oh, um, I know. So, I mean, you put on this good, big show and then all for naught, but, um, it was, uh, I think that's the only time I've really been slapped going up for, a for a <laughs> lift so much. Um, I don't know what the hell I would do. I get pretty charged up, so I, I don't know. 
I I didn't even think of it. Yeah, it was it just a reaction. Like that, yeah. And I knew that that would be my reaction because if I'm going to get hit, I'm going to hit you right back. And um, good, bad, or otherwise. And I knew that it was if that would happen, but I didn't, I didn't plan it. Like, wait till Ted hits me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slap the shit out of him. It wasn't anything along yeah. those lines. It was just, it just kind of happened. And then uh, that was that. But I've never hit anybody in the face, you know, just mostly kind of some slaps on the back. And yeah. Just, you know, trying to get somebody fired up. What's always uh, puzzled me is what is in the water in Reno, Nevada, that makes those guys just literally slapping the shit out of each other on their way to the platform when we start all the way going back to chad ikes oh yeah all the way to like this new version of everyone coming from american iron again with jesse and all those other guys up there mm. just pounding on me and, it, and the, <laughs> it's like a it's a group thing too yeah. like there's one guy lifting and there's three guys just absolutely just hitting him in the face and the yeah. back and it's just coming from all angles and ways what is going on in Nevada that is making these that somehow makes this the thing that everyone has to do? Yeah, I don't I don't know what's happening, but yeah, people love it. People love to like smack the shit out of each other for some reason. <laughs> um I you know, if I'm going up to the platform, somebody smacks me on the back a little bit, yeah, it feels good because it gets you alive a little bit. I think uh the Russian lifters, they do some like strategic stuff, which I don't really know exactly what they're doing, but I don't know if you've ever seen the Olympic lifters like pull on the guy's ears. Yep. And they sometimes will kind of slap the guy. Um, I think mainly it has to do with just making your skin <clears throat> sting a little bit. Right. I think it just might get your central nervous system fired a little bit. So yep. I can, I can understand like a certain amount of it, but to like get fucking just whack, you know, go up to somebody and just deck them doesn't make. I thought I thought one of, of sense I thought me. one of them like blew his nose out because of a squat. And it ended up, it was because he got slapped yeah, yeah. going up to it. And his nose was bleeding because of kind of the height move going all the way up. Yeah. So it's just uh, more power to them. Those guys are awesome. I love having them at the meets because they bring so much energy and intensity to things. But I just kind of watch it and I'm like, that poor guy is just People are watching they're like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> is this some sort of gang fight yeah. <laughs> before or during the, during the meet? It's yeah, amazing. Those guys on? are great. And I mean, they're, they lift awesome. And I mean, they're just, you know, as intense as can be. And it's always fun. But that was, that's always been uh, not necessarily the way that I've always you know, approach things. So you've been in a lot of different gyms over the years and you've had to kind of restructure things and redo things and reinvent yourself many different times, uh, with your powerlifting career and, and with your business, uh, with your situation, with your children and everything. And tell us a little bit about, first of all, what, it, what is it that you do? So we get that out of the way <laughs> and, um, tell us about where you started or how you got started. Uh, so I run, um, powerlifting gym inside, uh, CSA gym in uh, Dublin, California. And I have 2000 square feet dedicated to, um, strength and conditioning. And I have a powerlifting team there. I also have my athletes and personal training, uh, in that, uh, in the new facility, which we actually just moved to in August. Mm. Um, you know, I've been with CSA for probably like five-ish years or so yeah. and this is our one two this is like third location kind of um and each time kind of getting bigger and better um and you know you know credit to kirian and mj for believing in me and kind of letting me do what i wanted to do you know coming from um i i was at a gym prior to it and then i moved to csa gym and yeah, how'd you make some of this happen? Because I know that you were in like a club environment. So right, well, there's yeah. people listening to the show that want to get into personal training or maybe they already are a personal trainer 
and maybe they don't love where they're at. Maybe they would like to figure out something a little different. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, when I moved here from the East coast and moved to the San Francisco area, um, you know, I got a job at club one, uh, which is a fitness or fitness, commercial fitness facility. And, um, like I, big ass, yeah, it's a big yeah, ass corporate kind of big club corporate type gym. Thing. Yeah. It was in downtown San Francisco. And, um, I was really lucky to where I landed because the manager there was also a chiropractor and he went out and he hired occupational therapists, physical mm-hmm. therapists, and, um, you know, people specializing in, you know, uh, uh, elder populations in particular. Club one is a, is a huge franchise. So working there and being around other people that were professionals was probably good for you, right? It was amazing because I got to walk in very luckily as like, oh, you're, you know, an ex-athlete kind of strength guy or interested in strength. Mm-hmm. And at that time I had, uh, my CSCS and, you know, that's what I wanted to work on more kind of the sports, uh, more of the athlete side of things. So Daryl saw that and he, when he, when he hired me and, um, you know, I've told this story, uh, on, I think on Kyle's podcast and I was, uh, I had the morning shift. So I'd be there from five thirty until two o'clock. Daryl would come in around like noon and, um, we would just sit there and he would give me stuff to read. It was homework. And then we would also just sit there and watch people walk and watch people move. Mm. And then he would say, what do you think about this person? And we would just start to kind of develop a running kind of um, block for each person that we would kind of see. Like, okay, this person seems to be, you know, leaning this way or this way, or they're, you know, kyphotic, they're rolled over, right. very anteriorly rotated. And it taught me a lot about how people move and what dysfunction looks like and also what function actually looks like. That's the worst when you start to learn some of that because then you just look around and you're like, everyone's it's fucked. Ev- it's, ev- it's everywhere, you're exactly. standing in line at Starbucks and you're like, you want to nudge the guy in front of you and be like, dude, Stand fucking straight. straighten your shit yeah. out. I mean, I talked to Kelly about this. I was like, can you ever not see it? He's like, no. Can't on can't, 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 he can't just go to, you know, like Disneyland and walk around and yeah. not just be like, oh my God. Well, and we're all guilty of it too. Even when you are conscious of it and you're trying, you're like, oh my God, I'm standing like shit. Yeah. Or I'm sitting like shit. But you know what? That alone right there, just knowing it, knowing it or even just reminding yourself like, oh yeah, Kelly, Jesse, or Mark told me <laughs> just to try and stand up a little bit. But as right. long as, if you can start to do that, you'll build, you know, you'll end up building it into a habit. So it's a, you know, that was pretty much my homework and we would just sit there until I would get more and more clients and then whenever i could i would be sitting with daryl going over stuff he would stretch me i would stretch him we would talk anatomy he's the one who um pushed me to go to massage therapy school to go get my art certification mm-hmm. to do a whole bunch of stuff so continued education yeah tons of I, I actually just yeah i got the question today about someone like hey should i go back to school to get like a kinesiology biomechanics degree or should i just go and do a bunch of seminars or get a bunch of different certifications and obviously it's going to be a personal thing, you know, an ultimate end goal is going to be what you should, uh, what you should focus on. But in general, you know, if you're going to want to work with people, you're already working with people, go into a seminar with Dr. Stuart McGill or go and see Stan and Ed seminar, right. going to see Paul Quinn or someone along those lines. That's going to give you so much more practical, um, and immediately usable, uh, knowledge um, because a lot of times, you know, those professors are teaching you mm. anatomy fizz or something along those lines. Yeah, it's cool. You get to dissect some stuff and really kind of take a look at what musculature actually does, but they're never going to actually be able to tell you what a 35 year old person with lower back injuries, right. ankle injuries, old athlete, and you know, 30 pounds overweight, fix them. 
Like, you know, that person doesn't understand that. Yeah. But people who've done it before, like, oh yeah, that that's a piece of cake. No problem. Like, oh, okay, cool. That that's the knowledge that you end up kind of wanting, especially if, you know, working with individuals or teams or whatever, if that's your end goal, you need to find the people who have done it before and, you know, learn from them and right. then you can kind of continue your career that way. And you know what? That's the whole thing where you, if you are a, a trainer at 24 or something and you eventually want to go and do something else, you can keep that going on and just go to these seminars right. and just, you know, find some stuff out. And what's going to really, what, what separated me was me taking all the strength stuff that I was going out there and learning from everybody and applying it to the clients that I had. You know, these people are CEOs, you know, that's when the dot-com boom was going on. So right. I had a bunch of these, you know, like uh, computer wizards. They're all box squatting. We had chains, kettlebells, right. you know, all this other stuff. And Be it, able it, to empower them just with some of the knowledge. You have. In, empower them, but also attract a lot of other people because they're like, that guy is doing something I've never seen. That guy just did it with 400 pounds yeah. and that's a client. That's what I want to do. Yeah. How that fat 45 year old guy just squat 400 pounds. Yeah. And I mean, that was, uh, that's how, you know, I think kind of my reputation grew and grew and got to a point where I was basically only doing clients. I was doing eight to 10 clients a day, five days a week. And, um, eventually when, uh, uh, the girls were born, I moved out to Pleasanton and started working at a CrossFit there. And, um, wasn't able to keep everybody. Some people actually followed me out to, uh, from San Francisco out mm. to the East Bay and then, um, kind of just built everything up again in, uh, the Pleasanton area. And, um, I think uh, <laughs> when we started the seminars was pretty much when my exit to, from CrossFit Pleasanton, uh, yeah. started, right. um, because of a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, I needed more space and I needed to be able to do more things. And luckily when I moved over to yeah, CSA, more freedom. when I moved over to CSA, I was like, Hey man, I may not have everything that I need right now, mm -hmm. but you give me some room to grow and you just leave me alone. I'm, right. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this thing happen and it'll be a really, really good thing. And again, credit to, you know, uh, Kieran and MJ for believing in me and kind of letting me do that and kind of giving me rope, you know, whether I hang myself with it mm -hmm. or whether I, you know, you know, climb with it. Yeah, climb with <laughs> it. You know, that's uh that was uh that was all up to me. So it was uh it's been a process for sure. But anyone out there who is trying to find what they're trying to do, I think, you know, if you can kind of keep doing what you're doing and learning from the clients that you have and um figuring out what works and figure out a system for yourself and just adding knowledge on top of that. You have to be you have to be active. I mean, absolutely. even if you have to uh, sometimes do stuff for free or, I mean, with your active release therapy and stuff, it's, it's probably, you know, especially at the time you were doing it, it's probably kind of unconventional. You're like, oh, I know how to help fix that. Right. But it's not like you gave them your chiropractic card. So no. it's different. So it's not like they're going to, you're just like, oh yeah, it's 150 bucks. It's probably just, Hey, I, I can fix that. Let me help you. Then they recognize what you can do for them. And then you say, well, we can take this further and we can do ABC. And then now you, because you have the education and because they had the result from it, now you could probably say, okay, yeah, it's going to be, I, you know, for me to do that, it takes me more time. Right. And you've always been good with that. Like when I, you know, I've, I've trained people for many years, but not professionally and not for as long as you have in, in the same uh, capacity. And my whole thing, anytime we went to do seminars or even just when I, you know, somebody online would ask me a bunch of questions, I'd always shoot them over to you. Right. We were at one seminar in Colorado. 
uh, which was fu- a funny timing by us because that's when they made they had made they had marijuana legal at the time, <laughs> and uh, everybody was all hyped up and they thought that's why we were there. They're like, "Are you guys gonna get high? You're gonna do this? You're gonna do that?" And then the gym just happened to be right next to a right dispensary. Next to a dispensary too. It smelled <laughs> like we were like oh, we were people are celebrating joint. like literally <laughs> literally in the streets. Right? It was amazing. But uh, you know, I, I it was rem- so snowy too, and people. I yeah. remember some wa- seeing somebody walk to their car and just totally wiping out on their way out right. there. It was awesome. I remember working. Sorry, with, but it was. I remember working with somebody at that seminar, and they just it wasn't clicking. I was not able to. So I was like, just go see Jesse. <laughs> And then there was that epic time where was, I was with you and Katie oh man, and we were doing a seminar in LA and uh, kind of the same thing happened. And uh, I was trying to teach a guy how to do glute ham raises yep. and I'm, I'm trying to say it like in as many different ways as I can. Uh, but for some reason he wasn't understanding that he needed to like bend his leg. Right. No, he needed to straighten his leg. Oh, you need to straighten. He, oh, he yeah. Just kept, he was. He had his. Oh uh, yeah. He just he kept moving. He just back. kept moving, almost like a good morning. And you're like, no, 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 sir. Because I heard this. I'm talking to someone. And I hear you. And it was. I'm like, <laughs> just like you're standing up straight. Like you got to move your leg. You got to like, you know, unflex your your leg is bent. You got to unflex it. You got to straighten out your legs. And then he would just move his back. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's not the exercise. And I keep going back and forth. And uh, then Katie came over. And she starts yelling at this guy too. And we're going back and forth and we're all trying to get this guy to do the exercise. He's not understanding it. She gets up there and she shows him. I get up there and I show him and he's still not getting it. And then finally, Katie and I just look at each other like, go see Jesse. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> we, can't, we can't handle this anymore. We don't, we're so stressed out. I can still remember. I can still hear it. It's like, no, no, sir. You need to straighten your legs out. Okay. Your legs are still bent. Let's see if you can straighten them. Not your back, your legs. No. Okay, so you're bending at your waist. I need you to straighten your legs as if you were going to try and stand up and just be this way. You're bent like this. <laughs> okay, Katie, can you show him real show him real quick? I think it might nope. have been the same seminar That's... where that guy tore a peck too. Remember that? Yeah, God. That was Some guys like, "Well, my peck was bothering me before I got here, but I want to try a PR." We're like, "What?" Yeah. I think that was that was really the only like no, injury, wasn't I, it? Yeah, like that we had at our seminars. That was well, and I it was amazing it, that he actually got that far. I mean, that was oh, it was man. just it's just you know the second that you turn your back, you know oh, they're going to do it anyway. <laughs> so yeah, at least one of us was there. To well, we spot we him. would preach the whole time. Remember, we get right. up in front of everybody and we'd tell them exactly how we wanted things to look, and the whole entire point <laughs> we would teach people yeah. like there's an intent. Of every day that yep. you work out. Every yep. time, just for anybody who doesn't know that, yes, every workout that you ever do in your entire life should always have an intent of the day, and then you can make up whatever the fuck else you want around that, but have an intent. Your intent's to go as heavy as possible. Your intent is to do this. Your intent is to do that. Your intent's to be fast. Whatever it is, you pick an intent, you fucking stick to it, right? and then you can play and kind of mess around with whatever else you want. But at the seminar, we would say the intent for our day, we would talk about the intent and what it was for and what it provided. And we say our intent for today is to just work on our technique and just to work on our form. We're not going to try to move fast. We're not going to try to lift that heavy, but we do need some weight on there. Right. And we would say, you know, a good reference point is like 50%. Get to like 50% of where your max is and then maybe add 20 pounds per set and get a couple extra sets in there of, of triples. Right. 
Well, as soon as they hear triples, the triples turn into heavy triples. And those heavy triples, for some reason, every single time, always turn into singles. Absolutely. Next thing you know, music's blasting. Somebody's trying a 600-pound deadlift. Yes. And the, like, I think he took, teach that. He, he took like a, <laughs> he took a huge jump, like a 70 pound. He put like 35 on or something. Really, it was really bizarre. What gym has 35s? Well, I think every gym has. Do you have 35s here? No. You don't have any 35s? That's so awesome. 35. I try and hide my 35s and, myth. They, and they make their way back out. And I'm like, God damn it. And especially if they're on, <laughs> like on the rack or anything along those lines, it, they're just taking up space for 45s or for 20, you know, 25 kilo plates. And 35s are worthless, it's but they keep finding them their way back out. It's it's uh, as frustrating or maybe even more frustrating than the 17.5s dumbbells, <laughs> you know? And yes. you're just like, we, do we really, is that, re- is that really a problem? I I really like, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant thing. Oh, yeah, the, the magnets? The mates, yeah. Like that were just like. That uh, solves the problem enough. It, well, but I just love it where it's like, oh, well, you know, this week I got to put the plate mates, you know, the 0.25 pound. Oh, and I was always the side. guy with the clipboard. <laughs> and the, and the, uh, and the physio ball. Yeah. It's always the dude, the clipboard and, and the physio ball. And he's like, and a shirt. I'm supposed to bench like that. I'm supposed to bench 174 this week. You're right. just like, yeah, buddy. Like, I don't even know how to put that on the bar. That looks like it's working out great for you. No clue. <laughs> how, that would be, that would be a great thing. Trying to. Get borrow a bunch of thirty fives, and just make someone figure out how to put four hundred pounds on the bar. I don't we know need, if anyone could do it. Like if Robot was here, that that's yeah, not fair. He would be able Mr. to do robot it. Pants. But um, but anybody doctor. else, just like nope, we've outlawed forty fives today. We got to use thirty fives. I think people would just leave. It gets really confusing when you start using the kilo plates and the pound plates. Oh my god, it gets really fun. Then you're not sure. So I bought I I just got a new uh kilo set over Christmas. So now I have two kilo sets, but I also have like 100, you know, 45 pound plates all over the place. So the um the Avanco set has like black um fives, two and a half, one and a quarter kilo plates, mm-hmm. but they look identical to two and a half pound, five pound, and even 10 pound plates. So people are just like intermixing these things and, you know, benching like, wow, that, that side was really heavy for some reason. I was like, well, you did have, you know, 10 pounds more on one side because you're an idiot and you have a kilo plate over here. So I literally had to go get paint pens <laughs> and paint the, the uh, outside edges of all of my kilos and nice to match like the, the color, you know, some of the, some of the other colors yeah. to, to make sure that people don't put those on. That's the shit. Because we've seen people, you know, misload stuff and still make them. Oh, yeah. Um, But we've seen people misload stuff and miss really, really bad as well. But there's nothing worse than taking a bar out on your back or into your hands and you're like, well, (laughs) I mean, this feels really wrong, but I'm 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 ready to go. Just wing it. I mean, I think the best story, who was was at Westside who had six plates on one side, five on the other, and like blue bands. And kind of stood up with it like this, and he kind of put it back and just walked over this way, and then stood up with it and then squatted it. It was AJ Roberts. Was it AJ? That makes sense. Um, but uh, I mean, to to you're be able like, to do that, it. you're just like, oh, I think I'm, I just, I'm just not in the yeah. middle here. I'll just move over here, and he squatted it too. It was ridiculous. Remember how crooked Greg Panora would squat, even oh, when the weight was on there the right way. Like he had one arm <laughs> this way, and then one arm this way, and the bar would just go here. He put up a. He's so and he was and he, well, he still is strong. So, yeah, he's amazing. He was at that time. He kind of there was, 
And I think, you know, we weren't at Westside, so we really couldn't tell. But at that time, that was like kind of uh, one of those uh, one of those pro-ams. That's where he kind of mm-hmm. took over right. as like the the baddest man at Westside. And kind of yeah. took it from Chuck for a little while. And then they started working out together. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, they were Just going. complete insanity. I remember a story Greg told me. They were pulling... Uh, they were pulling either sumo or conventional mm. and they worked up to like 800 pounds or something along those lines and he pulled it i think he was pulling sumo he pulled it he pulled 800 sumo chuck pulled 800 conventional and then chuck just started shit talking him and just like you could yeah blah 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 so without even warming up or doing anything else he just walked over to the bar and pulled it conventional. There's still video of it. He's just like, and then he, you know, kind of does it. And he kind of looks at Chuck and like drops the bar. And you want to talk about intensity? Yeah. That, to have the balls to just walk back up to 800 pounds after you just pulled it, switch your stance and just kind of go after it. I mean, Greg was just a complete savage, complete savage at that point, and just what are, what are, what are some on the things earth. that you have, uh, you know, learned and kind of taken from? You know, you're around, you know, some mutants like that, <laughs> and then you're also around people that are. Uh, that are really smart. You've had seminars at your gym. You've been to a ton of seminars. You read a lot of books. You get a lot, you get real nerdy, but what, what's, uh, <laughs> what's something that you've, uh, uh, kind of taken from the mindset of powerlifting, maybe into some of the business that you do. It's, you know, it, we can get as esoteric as we want, but the, the common theme across all people who are successful, whether it's lifting business, family life, whatever, it's just hard work and just sticking to it. Right. You know, I mean, Greg will talk about just doing this stuff over and over and over again. And when you're there, that's your focus. You get it. You work as hard as you can. Right. And then you're done. You know, and then you go ahead and you do whatever you, whatever else you do. You want to be a good trainer. You got to have a lot of reps it's, at it. It's right? the same thing. Yeah. If you want to be, be a great coach, coach you got to see, you know, 10,000 reps, a hundred thousand reps before you're, and you're really competent. You yeah. can kind of see something happening at, at speed. You know, I mean, if you want to, you know, deadlift or, yeah. you know, whatever, you got to yeah, do things right. Something that helped us so much was just seeing people. Absolutely. You know, just More than seeing anything. people over and over again. And I can confidently say, like, I can whoop up on most coaches just because, not because I'm great, not because I'm smart, just because of experience. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people uh, fail in many, many different ways. I've seen a lot of people succeed in many different ways. I've seen many different combinations of things happen, things not happen, people get hurt. Uh, and this I, is, this I, haven't also, seen it. I haven't seen it all, but this, I've seen is all a lot. Sp- this also spans beginners to about as high level of lifter as you can. Right. There was a stretch where I think over a three month period, I think we had seen, we're seeing th- 30 to 50 people per seminar. And mm-hmm. I think we had some ridiculous amount of seminars, like seven. Right. So, I mean, we had seen, right. And, it, it, and then plus seen in our own people. gym. Yeah. We hadn't seen an obscene amount of people lift an obscene amount of times. You're just gathering all, kind of all those reps and then you just, you're able to just see things, you know, almost before they happen. It's insane. You know, like when I was younger and I was coaching some people and trying to help people, <coughs> somebody would say, okay, uh, what do you think? You know, they would do a lift and they'd say, what do you think? And I used to immediately, boom, I'd spit something back out. And it, a lot of times it was like regurgitated from somewhere else. Uh, or it was just something that just clicked with me cause I didn't have a ton of knowledge. Right. So I was just like looking in my memory bank and I'm like, okay, I'm throw this back at him, you know? Sure. Um, but as you advance, I don't, I don't know if you do this, but when I see somebody lift, they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, uh, and it almost like hurts my head. I'm like, 
uh, I need to see you lift a couple more times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I need to watch him lift a couple more yeah. times. I might need to see them with more weight. Uh, I might need to see, you know, some sort of, I might need to see them throw a belt on because, mm-hmm. you know, if the lifter is going to actually use a belt that, that brings in another, I mean, there's various components that happen. And, uh, I, I just think it's, it's kind of funny because as, as you learn more, you start to learn what's the right combination of words to communicate to this person right now, because what I tell Jesse might be different than what I tell sure. this guy and what I tell that guy. So it, it, it gets to be. It gets to be complicated. It, it gets to be really complicated because, I mean, we're, we're coming back to just communication, right? I mean, right. you know, how are you talking to a person? How does somebody learn? You know, you have a bunch of different factors that you have to start to think about when you're dealing with someone. And I'm the same way. Not only do I say like, uh, you know, do that three or four more times and then I can kind of see something. Right. But when they ask me that question, what do you think? It's like, well, how did it feel? And they're going to go ahead and answer the question for me. It's a very Socratic method, but, you know, because, I mean, a lot of times they know it. You're like that felt awful. Like, okay, cool. Let's try something different. And it, it's not always, I'm not always going to hit it right on the head. Mm-hmm. Like we're just going to try a couple things and we're going to pick which one feels best. And we're just going to kind of roll with that as the weight gets up, it may change again. And we're right. just going to kind of have to play with it. Those are, you know, very beginner lifters. Yeah. And you know, as the advanced lifters kind of come in, it's, you know, it's much easier. We don't have to go through a whole process of trying to figure some stuff out. Like, okay, cool. And I mean, the advent of, you know, the video on the phone has been huge. Oh, yeah. You guys are just like, okay, cool. Do you see when this happens? Mm-hmm. We have to, you have yeah, to keep your back so tight. You have to do this or you're flaring your elbows, whatever it ends up being. They're like, oh, I see this now. Mm-hmm. So, so now they're getting the, the kinesthetic awareness of it by doing it. You're telling them, they're hearing it, and visually they're seeing it. So now you're almost hitting all of them, at, you know, all the learning processes for someone at a time. Right. You're hitting it all at once. So if they're one or a combination of all the others, they're going to start to kind of really kind of collect right. the whole thing. And I always found it, um, we, we, we would always talk about this at the seminars. It's like, you know, learning through violence where you're just like, yeah. you know, here, here, yeah. here, 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 oh, here. Oh, oh. And then you're just like, oh, oh, here. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's why I've been literally punching. Remember, this is another Vogelpol story. We were in upstate New York. Oh, he crushed us. Oh, he killed us. First of all, you ironed his T-shirt before we went to work out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Which was strange, but apparently he irons everything. Yeah, we were like, Uh, And then we were doing just boards, and he was spotting us and literally just punching our, you're not not punching your elbows through. He would just punch our our elbows for us to kind of get him through. Yeah, he's fucking punching us in the triceps. But then it made sense. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, just snap. Oh, that made, I wonder Ooh. if that went. Just well, and then he was, uh, he was like so mad because my strength was going up on the bench and stuff too. So like his, his bench wasn't great and you and I are like hanging with him. So stuff. So I think he just started to like make up stuff to try to kill he us. And he over, did kill Oh, us. he killed us. He overwhelmed remember us. Big Tim was there and Tim's like just shaking his head. He's like, I don't know why you guys are working out with him. I know. I'm like, cause it's Chuck Vogelpool. Exactly. We had to. And we had, I don't know if I straightened my arms for the next week. It was amazing. Oh, he just fucking. But I mean, there is, you know, ways to do it and, you know, to try and cue people, you know, not only visually, but auditorial, but also kinesthetic so they can kind of feel it. And then as you get comfortable with the lifter, you know, I mean, I can say one word to Jeremy or one thing to Tiff or something or Lori. Yeah. Who, you know, have been with me for, you know, two, three years. And I mean, sometimes it's just like, you know, you make a motion of, you know, chest up and they're like, right. oh, okay, cool. So sometimes you don't even have to say a word, but yeah, it's, uh, I do need a couple and it's like. I think because of, you know, a lot of times we've been in the game so long 
and we've been doing this and this is, you know, coaching and everything is what we do. But someone does one thing and they're like, okay, <laughs> what, what do I need to do to deadlift 700? Like, I, you know what? Just keep doing what you normally do. And I'll just kind of correct you as we go. Right. It's not going to be, you know, I'm not going to throw a book at you. That's the way Louie coached. Yeah. That's I think what it's I a great way to coach because you'll at least see what they're doing right. Right. And you don't want to pummel them with what they're doing wrong. Like, look, let's just try and change this one thing. Let's bring your feet together, work on getting your chest up. Deadlift will be a lot better. But one thing that's for sure is you can get a lot of feedback from a heavy weight. Yeah. You know, you can get a lot of feedback from a heavy weight. And if you have a coach there and if you record it, there's a lot of information that you can get from that lift and you can say, oh, I missed it. And th these things happen. But I also don't think that you can really truly gain further knowledge of how you should execute the lift because when the lift is too heavy, your form is not matching up with the lift itself. And so I think you have to be really careful. It's a fine line. And that gets to be really hard to find that line. But, you know, if you were going to, if you could, um, if you think about football, think mm -hmm. about other sports that you play, um, football in particular, coach would say, hey guys, it's, uh, you know, it's Thursday. We have a game on Saturday. Uh, we're going to go 70%, right? And then the next day you go like 60%. But why does the coach want you to have those percentages? Why does he want you to slow the fuck down? It's so that you can learn the proper steps. Sure. Uh, certain drills that you might do in basketball or volleyball or any of these things are always broken down. They're always practiced. But for some reason, when it comes to lifting, we're not really practicing. And I think that that would be a huge component to somebody being successful with lifting is just slow the fuck down. We already know that you can't lift light all the time. That's not going to work. Can't just work on your form and technique. So there you have to do, uh, you have to go heavy and you have to challenge yourself. We know that you need that for growth. That's right. the way it works. Yeah. Um, but maybe at the end of a workout or on separate days, maybe you slow everything down and maybe you just go with a three or four second count on the way down, three or four second count on the way up and just feel every single thing that you're supposed to feel because you know what you're going to feel when you try a hundred percent, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. And I mean, you know, the all reality of the situation is, is anything over 90% is going to most likely look like shit. <laughs> and, uh, what you can gain from that, what you can learn from that is what to work on. So it doesn't look like shit. All right. But people are like, yeah, my knee, I felt my knee kind of wiggle in. We're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's 700 pounds. It was too heavy. It's Yeah, it's just. For your knee to not wiggle right, in. Right, exactly. It's <laughs> sometimes this is going to happen. Like, I always think back of Kelly when I missed, you know, 854 or whatever it was. And he was just like, yeah, you know, you really kind of got rounded over like this. And, you know, I think if you were able to, you know, thoracically extend and really work like, on, you know, pulling back here. And I was like. You go fuck yourself, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I said it much nicer. It's like, it was 854 pounds. You know, it was just too fucking, <laughs> it was just too heavy. Yeah. It's just, that can be an answer. That's okay. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, it was just too heavy. Like, oh, my form broke down and I didn't do it. Like, right. It, because it was too heavy. It's not because of you didn't keep your knee out or anything. It was sometimes too heavy is an answer. It's the dumbest doctor we've ever met. Oh, he's the <laughs> I love Kelly so much. Shout out to our boy, Kelly Sturette yes. and his lovely Kelly, wife, Kelly. Juliet. They yes. started a podcast. Did they? Congratulations. Finally. Um, um, yeah, I know we've been awesome. talking about it forever, so I'm excited for them. That's great. That's going to be so fun. I think, uh, I really love the, um, the introduction of Juliet kind of back into, because she was very visible at you know, yeah. San Francisco CrossFit for a while. And then, you know, not so much where she was just trying to take care of, get the kids, you know, uh, moving and everything. So she kind of well, makes everything easier for, for him sure. too. And I, you know, I usually text her. I don't even absolutely, bother. Absolutely. I ain't bother trying to go to him. But those two together yeah. are just, they're just so great. 
And I mean, they're just a ball of energy and a ball of fun. And what people don't know about Juliet is Gosh, she, she's, so she's, she's a lawyer yeah. and she's been running not only the CrossFit business, but the mobility wad side of things for the past 10 years for, for, for Kelly. Yeah. And for a long time, Kelly was at a seminar every weekend. Oh God. Yeah. He crushed for almost it. two and a half years. So, I mean, they're going to have a lot of fun. They're yeah. going to have a lot it's of fun. It's going to be so that. cool. And I mean, just the, the practical knowledge and she was a great athlete too. Right. You know, I mean, she was, you know, she was a very, very high caliber athlete. So just a, a wealth of knowledge. That's going to be really some cool next one. level education type stuff too, because uh, as he explained it to me, it sounds pretty cool. He's going to have a, a particular focus mm-hmm. for a few weeks at a time, and then he'll move off subject and, and move on to the next thing. So I think he started out by talking about jeans. Uh, um, like blue jeans, like him wearing two tight yeah, jeans. Well, you're talking about like jeans, like cut off jeans, jorts, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. And puffy, and, pu- and, and puffy does. Acid wash yeah. jeans, three-legged jeans. <laughs> that, that really seems like it's up his alley. That makes a lot of sense. You know, back to the, what we were talking about, about learning, being able to learn the exercise, be able to learn the movement the proper way. Just think about how kids learn stuff. They learn stuff in like spurts. They just do, you but know? they also just repeat it over they, and over They and over repeat again. it. Um, they may try something different. Like you're like, Hey, you know, try these, uh, maybe they're playing like hopscotch or something. And when they do the jumps, they might, hopscotch. I don't know how to do it. How do you, which one do you jump into? You have to throw something and then you jump to it, but you have to do like one leg. And I don't then know. Two is legs. there something to throw? I always I just would jump on those. There squares. is. Yeah. yeah. There's something. Know. You just jump through it. Apparently I've been playing it wrong for a I long don't know. time. <laughs> so you're not hopscotch champion of the world. Like you say on your bio. Shuttlecock. Shuttlecock. That's another story for another podcast. Yes. Also, uh, jarts or lawn darts. Was darts. It jarts? <laughs> no, no, no. Do you remember jarts? I don't know if people on the West Coast understand how like violent and awful some of the games as kids in the East Coast as we played. Oh, yeah. We used to have lawn darts. They're just giant darts where you just oh, throw I've them up those. in the air. And they're just kids running everywhere. I was like, even as a kid, I was like, I don't think this is really, this isn't super safe. Is this? What's the point of this? I don't know. You try to hit, throw it into a ring or anything. I'm, I don't know. Anyways, to- you're talking about your hopscotch career. <laughs> sorry yeah. to disrail, sorry to derail you on, you know, such a, you know, Telling such a great story. Well, I was just talking to people about the how rise agi- and fall of the hopscotch. How uh, agile I am. Yes. No, yes. like if a kid's going to be playing something and they're jumping around, they're going to try, you know, different ways of doing it. But also kids are going to kind of learn things in spurts. They're going to do something for 10 minutes. They're going to do something for five minutes. They, they lose concentration really quickly. And I think a big mistake that we sometimes make is we're trying to really uh, just do it over and over again. Like somebody might squat for like two hours trying to, learn it and that's cool like putting in your time is important but you're kind of frying yourself out too so just take it like several minutes at a time you don't need to smash yourself with it yeah i mean i think kids you know this is also something that we could talk about you know ad nauseum for coaching kids you know it's like when their attention is gone when they stop doing it there's no bringing them back you kind of just got to let them roam and just you know hope that they can kind of not hurt themselves or anything along those lines but it's just like they're they're in it and then once they're gone there's really no bringing them back. And at that point, there's no, there's no positive to try and force them to do something or bring them back right. or anything along those lines. Cause it's already gone. If you got two or three minutes out of them and, you know, able to teach them to do something and then they move on to the next thing. I thought one of your best things that I still use to this day that I from learned from you as a coach steals everything from me. <laughs> um, even the 10 minute walk, mm. 11 minute walk. That's what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. Hashtag, bam. 
uh, was when you were coaching your uh, the uh, the team at um, Woodland, the right, the right. football team, and you're like three or four people to one mat to one bar. We're gonna deadlift, and then we're gonna do some rows, right. and then we don't get off of that mat. That's right. Don't get it because these kids were they were good kids. Yeah. They're football kids. But didn't you like leave? You like went to the bathroom. You came back, and there's two forty fives that got broken yeah, somehow. Yeah, you're like, what? In the, and the, uh, they broke a bar. Yeah, like the the ends, both the ends are like, coach, we this this broke. We're like, no, 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 a bar doesn't break. Yeah, what the hell did you guys do? So like, look, stand on that four by six mat. <laughs> right. Don't fucking move. You're just gonna right. do everything right there. Every exercise gonna, gonna be right and there, and that's it, and that's all. But that's so brilliant because yeah. it keeps them focused keeps them all and they understand what they're supposed to do they don't have to move over here do all this stuff right that's the way that you know i coach uh oh, like my 40 kids, kids in it's, there too. it's a yeah it's a for people who can do that sort of thing it's a it's a talent i only have for a very small amount of time yeah. you know, <laughs> per, per day and there are people who can do it you know so much better than i can um and you know more power to them and then there's you know teachers and you know th- kind of the same thing the same ilk so it, uh, you know, but I always took that from you. I thought that that was absolutely brilliant. Keeps people focused in on one thing. Yeah. They get to kind of move on to the next. Both of us have uh, like built ourselves and built our business simultaneously with our, with our kids being around. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it, it's, it just throws, it just throws another, uh, monkey wrench into everything. <laughs> um, a giant monkey wrench. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we know a lot of people that will say, ah, oh, you know, I used to do that, but then I, I got married or, uh, you know, I used to do that. And then I, I had kids and, you know, things kind of fell off a little bit, but you've not only kept fitness as a big part of your life. Uh, I mean, you continued to stay uh, a coach and you've, you've done a lot of different versions of coaching. Now you have your own powerlifting team and stuff as well. Um, but you also, um, take have, time out. Oh, go to the oh yeah. Pee break. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Pee break. Feel like a new man. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Couldn't uh, couldn't hold it anymore. He started talking about the kids, and I was like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. you feel like a kid because all I got to do is pee." Okay. 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 Well, I'm, I am moving around and I was doing the pee pee dance. So, yeah, you're like, ah. uh, <laughs> I was like, I'll stand on this leg and I'll be okay. This one, nope, nope, none of this is working. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, it's all good. Um, so I was going to transition into talking about kids a little bit. So I'll start with this. Um, You've had many different jobs over the years, changed a lot of things in your life have changed. You even went through a divorce. Um, you switched gyms multiple times. Uh, a lot of things have changed, but fitness has remained a huge part of what you do as your life, as your business, as your life. And then also with your kids, your kids are involved in sports and your kids are involved in fitness. I've seen them uh, hit up some power thing meets and yep. wear some of the slingshot products and stuff. Yep. It's been really, uh, it's been really cool, but a lot of people, you know, will, will kind of, you know, try to focus in and hone in on their career, you know, while they're single and while everything's like, you know, going as, as good as it can go. But, uh, you know, for you and I, we never really had control over that stuff. Things were just 
kind of going the way they were going. Life was just happening. Yeah. We were always trying to make things happen. You and I were always trying to figure out uh, ways of having better income to support our families. But it just, it took a while to figure it out, to figure all that shit out. Right. And uh, things were just kind of moving and changing uh, all the time. So um, what's uh, the, the role of having, you know, children? How has that changed things for you? Completely. I mean, it's, you know, completely for, you know, a lot of good and, you know, um, sometimes uh, maybe not bad, but maybe not just the greatest, we'll say. Um, I think for me, it was actually a real wake up call when um, I ended up getting custody of the girls and I had them almost all the time. I kind of had a realization where I was like, crap, like this is all on me now where it's I have to make all this stuff happen. And um, I, I didn't have a choice, you know what I mean? And I think sometimes that's uh, a great way to learn. Like, you know, if you're going to you learn a language, you go and, you know, right. just, you know, you, you drop yourself in Mexico and voila, you learn kind of Spanish. And um, in this instance, it was like, okay, I don't have a choice because I got two kids that I got to take care of. And um, I got I to gotta make something happen or something else is going to happen that I don't necessarily want. And, um, it was just a matter of not giving myself a choice, you know, not giving myself, uh, an out or anything along those lines. It was like, look, I have to do this stuff. I'm going to throw as much against the wall as I can all the time, whatever sticks there and is, right. you know, is, uh, works. We're, we're going to concentrate on that, but we're going to keep throwing stuff up there and, you know, see how it all comes up. So, I mean, it's there, you know, the, the girls are, you know coolest things i've ever done I, I tell them that all the time and they're hope, uh 10 they're 10 yeah two year uh 10 year old uh twin girls and um i tell them that all the time and hopefully you know maybe later on in life they'll understand what that really they just means. make fun of you probably they just when do you say, all right? the time all the time like yeah whatever dad it's great but yeah <laughs> um but it's a uh, you know they're the they're you know they're the reasons that i'm here you know what i mean they're yeah. the only reason that you know kind of got me out of bed you know yeah. and uh doing anything yeah it was really. a really a really crazy and rough time you were i mean basically you were like sick you know like yeah. you weren't sick but you were sick like, i wasn't well i'll was, say that for was, sure it was a tough thing to yeah. uh watch and and to be uh to be involved with um and credit to you and andy because i mean that was uh when i wouldn't have the girls the other weekends when i didn't have the girls yeah. um and when it started you know and i had them like every other week i would I was literally losing my mind right. and I, you know, with people with kids can kind of understand like the noise, there's noise yeah. and it almost kind of calm. It's like white noise and it kind of mm -hmm. calms you down a little bit and it's just manageable. You know, that there's stuff happening when the girls weren't in the house and it was just me. Right. I, I couldn't handle it. And I, you know, then you start thinking stuff and like your voices start talking to you. And I was like, I got to get the hell out of here. So I go over to your house it was just madness. You know what I mean? Your wife was there. Your two kids are running around. That's yeah. when they're a lot younger. And then April was there and it was all just madness all the time. And yeah. I could, I could sleep and I, and I felt at home. It felt <laughs> right. so great to be there. So, I mean, you know, again, you know, just, just like anything, you know, it, it, it takes a village. I mean, the yeah. really important, you know, why I'm here has a lot to do with, you know, watching you and Andy be parents and understanding it and how to make myself a parent, you know, close to that. And, um, you know, do right by the kids. And, um, it, it was, uh, you know, that was, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't great for sure, but you know, it, it a lot of people kind of helped me through it. 
and I'm, you know, forever grateful for all that stuff. But also, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. Right. You know, I wouldn't change a thing because, you know, I wouldn't, you know, the relationship that I have with the girls, you know, now is, is worth more than anything. Yeah. And, um, you know, going through the whole process and, you know, I re- remember, I would tell you stories when we would go <laughs> on these seminars, like I got home, put the girls to bed and I woke up four hours later, half asleep on the bed. <laughs> All the lights in the house are on. The door <laughs> is open. It's one o'clock in the morning. And I would kind of wake up and I'm like, oh man, uh, I still haven't done, yeah. I still haven't taken a shower. I still haven't done anything. Right. You know, I was just like, oh man, I mean, I get like three hours of sleep, but it taught me a ton about who I am, how I work, what I need to be successful. Right. And, uh, I think more than anything, it taught me what priorities really are. Yeah. You know, like, oh, true. you gotta, you gotta really, you know, set your priorities right. You know, you gotta have things in, in, um, you know, in line and, uh, when you're forced to only do something, you know, take yeah. care of these two kids, you learn really, really fast who your friends are, who, you know, who wasn't necessarily, you know, and the limit of what friends are. And, you know, cause I mean, they're a friend, you know, they're level friends and, you know, who you can rely on, who you can call when you're crying and, you know, who's going to help you out no matter what, who's going to come and pick you up. Right. And then also the people who are, you know, just going to be glossary and just like, Hey, let's go and have some fun. Let's do some stuff. So you learn a lot about, you know, there, there wasn't greater, life uh uh learning during that period and uh, you know i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah i remember you know talking to you through that time and you know something i always try to do whenever i help somebody i think i you're you know, the worst he's the worst because he no no he's the worst but he's also the best I, I i remember so distinctly coming over to your house and talking about everything that was going on and just getting just crushed all the time <laughs> And then you, you proceeded to tell me a story about going to the, I don't know if you know this or you remember this, but going to, um, a play structure with Jake and oh, Jake's yeah. just going nuts and doing all this stuff. And then he goes, you know who I saw over at the, over at the playground, I saw a guy whose kid was in a wheelchair and that guy picked the kid up and took him on every single swing on every single slide. He did yeah. everything with him. He carried him through it and they just did all this stuff and along those lines and, all I can think of is like, you motherfucker. It's like, you're, but, but the take home message was like, your situation, while it may not be great, may not be ideal, at least you're not doing this, you know? Yeah, everyone's helping. That, that guy was fucking strong. Yeah. To do that stuff, that's yeah. amazing. That's absolutely astounding amazing. You know, I get to, you know, coach a couple of, you know, um, special needs kids and, mm-hmm. you know, along and, and, and stuff and have done that throughout the years. And those parents, those are the people who are really strong. And the, to, to be able to take your kid and, you know, have him have those life experiences right. that our kids are lucky to have and do something along those lines and have them feel a little sense of normalcy or whatever you end up wanting to call it, that was strong. But that was such a lesson. It's burnt into my head. And um, it's always like there's somebody out there who's worse off than you are. Yeah. And just to know that sometimes is like, okay. I'm not doing, I'm not doing so bad. You know that what I mean? That situation was so, so was so sad, you know, like uh, any, any sort of health issue with your children's just, it's awful. But, uh, this guy, his kid was totally normal and the kid had a fever and then there you go. Like the, the fever, you know, um, messed with his, uh, brain and, yeah. and then that was it, you know? And, uh, so he lost control, you know, over his legs and stuff like that. <clears throat> but I just remember asking him like, you know, kind of like how he, 
I just got in conversation with him. Um, and I asked him how he dealt with it. And he's like, you know, he's like, you don't really know how you're ever going to like come out the other end of anything, but he's like, one day you just do. And then you're like talking to somebody else about helping them out, you know? And then that's what I told you on the phone. I was like, I don't really know. Like, but you, if we can, if we had the ability to fucking fast forward like five years, I'm sure of it that you're going to be fucking okay. Yeah. And you're going to be talking someone else through a divorce or someone else through some sort of tragic. Thing and it's crazy because the next day, literally the next day I was at Starbucks and there was a guy who I'd been trying to find. He was, he went to the gym. He went to CrossFit Pleasanton and his wife kind of took off and he, he raised a, he raised his daughter by himself. Mm-hmm. And I finally saw him and I was like, Johnny, dude, we got to talk. Let me buy you coffee. Can we hang out? He's like, I only got a couple minutes. So we stood in line together and we ordered coffee. And I was just like, tell me something like, give me a hint. Like, tell me how you did this. What's the recipe? <laughs> He's like, you'll be okay. I was like, no, 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 no. He goes, look, I know who you are. You're going to be all right. Right. You, it, it'll be okay. I was like, crap. Okay. So just like, do it, I right. guess. <laughs> like, you're going to figure yeah. it out. He's like, I had to figure it out. The stuff that I had to figure out is probably not going to be the same thing with you. But you'll get through it because you got a good head on your shoulders and right. you'll, you're going to work hard and you're not going to let this beat you, right? Like, fuck no. Like, <laughs> then you'll be fine. Like, right. All right. Okay. Those are like those two life lessons there. And then, you know, a couple things said to me by my mom and my dad. I was like, okay. All right. I, I, I'm actually prepared for this. I don't think I am, but I mean, you know, there's, there's enough in here and people believe in me. So I'm going to go ahead and believe in myself and just kind of, you know, just roll that ball out there and, you know, hope for the best. I think uh, a lot of times when people look at somebody else, they think that there is uh, something specifically special about that person. (laughs) uh, that makes them a mom that makes them a dad, you know, and then your view of your mom and your dad, like you put them up on this pedestal. Right. And, uh, it's almost like when you're a kid and you see your teacher at the grocery store and you're like, Oh my God, Mr. Sullivan's like a regular person. He's got a wife. Ew. That's weird. What the fuck's going on? Why is he at the grocery store? Yeah. You know, and your parents are just people too. Right. And we get rolled in these situations that, we're never ready for them. Never. You're not prepared to have a kid. No. Um, you're not prepared for really a lot of these things. A lot of the changes and moves that you've made over the years. It, it's all stuff that you just kind of learn on the fly. And I think the truth is, is what ends up happening to a lot of us is you unfortunately may just go into certain times of your life where you have to do a lot of things that you don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. Um, like I'm sure you would rather have been with your kids every moment possible, but you had to pay for a babysitter. Like you had to do, you had to do these certain things. Not that that's the worst thing, but we don't know. We don't know who's babysitting our fucking kids anymore. I thought it was the, I thought it was the worst. I thought it was a terrible parent. That whole thing is so hard. It is because I mean, my mom, but it's like, how do you not, you wait a second. You have to work. Right. (laughs) You can't. Yeah. Like, uh, wrap your head around this. I was paying more in childcare than I was in rent at that time. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like, I was making just enough to keep my kids where they needed to be. Mm -hmm. I ended up talking to my landlord. I was like, I can give you this and you, you know, I can give you whatever it was at the time. Like, I know I can give you that per month. Right. And as things, we well, have to tell the landlord that you have to tell, you know, the, the cell phone people this, and you yeah. have to like, you have to kind of bounce around <laughs> and say, Hey, uh, I'm not a piece of shit like the other guy, but right. I will have the money at some point. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of people who are just like, okay, cool. It's like, yeah. look, I'll, I'm going to pay you as much as I can. 
I don't know when I can make it more, but you know, I can, I can guarantee you this. I'm like, all right, cool. And those are the companies that a, I'm still with. Right. right. You know what I mean, and then the companies who are like, no, 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 we're going <laughs> to send you collections. It's like, good luck getting your thousand dollars back. <laughs> lawn care, you know, go yeah. fuck yourself. But you know, the people, and that's something that kind of one of the things that my mom told me was like, there are people out there who are much more like me. My mom saying that so much more like my mom who do want to help you. Yeah. And there are people who don't want to help you. And that's I think true. that's, it's that rings so true across the board. And I mean, you just think like, there's right, so I think many everyone's people. out to get you all, right, every, exactly. every day, all day, exactly. almost like you're paranoid about exactly. it. But I mean, people, all these motherfuckers, they want to fight me <laughs> every day, holding me back. And it's like, but not really. There's a lot more people who want to help and who right. are willing to lend a hand here and there and, you know, work with you as long as you're willing to show them that you're working and you're working towards some end goal or whatever it is. So, I mean, it's a, that was a really, and God, I don't know. How was it? How old was I? Like 28 at the time. It took yeah. me 28 years to figure out that the world isn't plotting against me, <laughs> that I can actually rely on people. Yeah. When and you're young, it really feels that way. It does. You really feel like isolated in a way, even though you're not. <laughs> no. You, and you never were, you know no, what I mean? You no, always had your mom and your dad and you always had your brothers with you. And I mean, it's all, you know, you had a huge clan, a huge, you know, gang, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And then, um, you know, it still have that kind of, uh, that weird feeling, but that can drive you to, you know, certain successes as well. But I mean, really knowing that there's a lot of people out there who, who want the best for you. They want to see you succeed and they want to help you succeed as well. This could have, huge this life could have drove you the opposite way though. Like, uh, how come, uh, you didn't end up turning to like drugs or alcohol or anything like that? Well, I'd, I'd, um, I mean, a lot of people do, they get in this yeah. tough situation they have a drink or two and next thing you know, they're fucking stuck there. Yeah. Well, I had kind of, I'd gone through a lot of battles with, uh, some, some chemical dependency and addiction early on and, uh, really early on in my life. Mm. And, um, I had a, uh, my grandmother died of cirrhosis of the liver and there's a lot of addiction and problems in my family. And, um, I kind of learned early on and, you know, I was like, you know what, I can either be like them or I can be kind of completely different. And, right. uh, I chose to be completely different. And, um, a lot of it was because of a high school coach I was like, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit on, you know, you're going to sit against the, uh, you know, sit against the fence and smoke pot. Or are you going to jump into the field and play? I was like, I want to play. It's like, well then don't fucking sit against the, <laughs> sit against the fence and smoke pot with all these potheads. And I was like, Oh, Oh, I see how this works. And you know, it just wasn't a good idea. You know, just, I, I, I knew that it wasn't for me because I, I loved it. I loved smoking. Yeah. I, I still, to this day, like, man, that that's the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. You know, like, ah, I could go for a cigarette right now. Like that makes no sense. You know, like, or I'd be, a, you know, it'd be awesome. Let's go get fucking ripped or whatever it ends up being. But I knew it was, it was a terrible idea for me. I'd seen it in my family and I'd seen it with close friends. And, um, more than that, I saw it destroy my brother, you know, yeah. like a, <laughs> like a slow moving accident. You know, just, just running into the, every fucking wall possible. And, um, I knew that that certainly wasn't the answer. And, uh, and it just really rips apart your family. It's like, well, why, why the fuck's anyone care about this one person drinking? Who's it hurting? But it's fucking killing everybody. Killing everybody. It really affects the, or drinking or any drug. Yeah. It really, uh, rips apart a family and is really, um, extremely stressful. It is. And I mean, I think. I don't know if people will quite understand that if they aren't or haven't kind of gone through it and they kind of look at the situation and they say, well, why can't you just stop? 
It's like, well, you know, just like your brother, just like my brother, it was, they can't, it's a, yeah. you know, there's just something that they just won't, and, you know, can't, won't, I don't know. It's the same yeah. thing at that point. And we're like, well, why does it bother you? Like, what do you mean, why does it bother me? Like, have, like, this is terrible. You know, my passes parents out on the like, couch yeah. and pisses on the couch and my parents are fighting all the time trouble with and, the cops know, my, and my sister's running away from the house because yeah. she doesn't want to be there or anything in it and there's a lot of tears there's, shed there's so much and, and how much money parents <laughs> yeah. spend on mad dog or seth to try and get you know legal fees get them out of jail you bail them out right. you know you try and pay for these you know um camps or you know immersion things and mm -hmm just racking up the bills you know right. uh and it's one of those things where you know if you don't have a lot of money and then you have to deal with a lot of stuff and then you're dealing with legal fees and, and lawyers and judges it's it's madness it's uh, right. especially for people who don't have a lot of experience doing that before it's just completely insane to try and go through it it makes no sense at all it's a uh, you know the whole rehabilitation aspect of things yeah. is it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? The classic way of doing it, it's just, it's not great for people. It works for some people, you know, kind of like the AA side of things. And it's great. There's a program that's free. Absolutely. And it's know, amazing, but it didn't, it didn't do anything for my brother. Yeah. I know it didn't do anything for mad dog and it no. takes, you know, extreme, extreme conditions for them to really click on or learn it's tough you know when somebody has any you know any sort of like mental health issue which is hard to even figure out because yeah yeah uh, a lot of these people are just and my brother included a lot of these people are just high all the time or drunk <laughs> or whatever and you can't tell if you don't know which one you know you're who you're talking at. to yeah um and so for that reason it's hard to get them treated properly and it's hard to kind of figure out the whole thing with my brother chris it was pretty clear that he was just depressed he was lonely uh, he was still, you know, mourning my brother. Uh, they, they had a closer relationship because only like a year and a half apart. And so it just, it killed him. I mean, when mad dog died, part of him died and it took, it took him a long, a long time to recover from it. And I don't even think that he, I don't think he ever really realized it. He told me one no, time he was like watching so. a baseball game and he started crying because like the Yankees won or something like that. My brother, mad dog was a huge Yankees fan. Yeah. And he's like, then I sat there and thought about like why I was crying. He's like, I was crying because it was like the first day I was sober in a long time, but I was thinking of Mike and I was like, oh my God, dude, like how come, you know, we never, but it's a hard thing yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Especially when somebody already fucking died from it. Yeah. It's uh, and there, and, and that's again, no one's going to ever be ready for that. And I mean, I think you've done an incredible job because you were there for, for me and I've seen you be there for other people because unfortunately you know, Mike went before some other people did. Yeah. And, um, you know, to, to just tell people like, it's going to be okay. Hey, you know, and I mean, that's one of the reasons that I didn't turn to anything. You're like, you're not drinking or doing anything stupid. Are you? I'm like, no, why would I do that? And you're like, okay, no, I just wanted to check. Yeah. You know I mean? It's, I mean, how many times have yeah. you, know, you hanging out with? What are you doing? Right. Like, how, like check in. how many times have we gone out to drink? Zero, <laughs> you know, zero. It's yeah. never happened before, but now you're asking me this question. I'm like, oh crap. Yeah. I guess some people do kind of do this and they go that way. But, um, you know, with the help from you and also just, you know, kind of some prior knowledge going through it, you know, that was just never an option for me. Yeah. And more than anything, it's like, it can't be an option because I got these two girls. Right. You know I mean, it, it's, there, there's no other option but them. You know, a lot of people just think like uh, when they have children that, you know, their schedule gets so crazy. And then you'll hear people saying like they're, they don't have any sleep. Well, 
back to you, what you said about priorities, it, it's, it is difficult and having twins, uh, makes it even more fucking crazy, but trying to adhere to a certain schedule can really help a lot, yeah. you know? So, um, when your kids are sleeping, you had to be sleeping, yeah. you know, shit like that. Like yeah. you have, and it's, and it's hard. It, is. it makes it hard. Cause you're, you're used to like your normal schedule, your normal routine. Well, now that's all fucking flipped upside down. There are some parents who get really strict and say, my kid's doing like this at this time just so they can get through their day. Right. Because it gets to be so crazy. And then putting him in childcare or putting him in school or having him in sports, probably having your kids in sports probably helped a lot because now they were both participating. They're both in the same spot together. You knew exactly what they were doing. It, Yeah. Not only did I know what they were doing, but I'd gone through it myself and, you know, sports are played a huge part in my life and you know, organizing, scheduling, you know, everything right. along those lines. So, and I knew what they were being taught and, you know, how things were going to be structured. And it gave us a time to go somewhere, start something, end something, and then you know, kind of come right. home. They do everything, right? Yeah. I mean, they started off doing... Um, Sports haven't they done? <laughs> uh, there's probably yeah. a decent amount. But, I mean, they started off with gymnastics and then they kind of, you know, and the... Like they're early, good at basketball. They're, yeah, they're, I played basketball yeah. with them and they're, they're like, it, it was, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. It, they were really, I was like, holy shit. These chicks are fast. The bird chicks yeah. are quick. It's amazing because, you know, they pick something up and then they, um, and I think because they are twins, they kind of have a, a built-in teammate, you know, someone to yeah. play against. So they just play it all. They just play all that. Exactly. (laughs) Because, I mean, you know, every 15 minutes they'd both come in crying. I'm like, oh my God, go back out there. You're fine. Yeah. Um, But they would just get some. I would say they're doing pretty good, though. You know, I mean, I I know it's taken a long time and I know there's been a lot of parenting that's had to go on, but they were respectful of each other and they, they, we were all having fun. You know, it got, it definitely got heated and a little competitive, but well, it's always going to, I mean, that's what bear Bryant would always, he would always recruit twins because you can't teach competition to people. Right. You know what I mean? They've been fighting for food, right? you know, in the womb for nine months. Right. I mean, they're always going to be fighting. They're always going to be competitive. (laughs) And if it's not with their sister, it's going to be with whoever else that you point them at. Right. They're going to be competitive. But, um, you know, it, I found out what was successful for the girls and that was in school and kind of having some after school activity. So I just basically wrapped my schedule around that because mm-hmm. I knew that this was working for them. They're happy. They're healthy. They're growing. They're, they're being, they're being great. And I just trying to keep that same schedule. Right. I would even keep like their nap schedule, like on the weekends when they were with me, like, Oh, it's nap time. We're going to go ahead and do this. And you know, I would end up taking a nap because <laughs> At that time, and we've talked about this before, like when we were kids and you'd see your dad and you're just, just out. I'm like, how did you fall asleep? Oh, yeah. Like standing up. <laughs> like, I never understood that. Then I had kids and I was like, I can take a nap anytime you want me to. <laughs> like, you just give me a second, I'm out because I don't know if this, this, this is going to ever happen excited. again. You're excited. You're trying to tell your dad about a story about how you caught this, you dove for a ball or something and he's out, right? Huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, good uh, job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pretends he was listening the whole time. There's a, a Katie has a picture or a video of me laying in bed with Sophia, and she's kind of next to me, and she's reading. It. And I'm, <laughs> you know, and this is like when she was learning how to read, so we were doing some reading out loud stuff, and I am just absolutely <gasps> just out, and she doesn't know the difference. She's still reading, and you know, just being great and doing the stuff, 
I was like, oh man, I was like I should have never lit. I should never get comfortable. There's a, there's a tip for you. If you're a parent, don't ever get comfortable because you're going to pass out almost immediately. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's just lay down here. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's 11 o'clock. Yeah. Like, oh and my God. Yeah. And then you're just, toast. you're just done. It's, it's over. It's absolutely over. But that was always something that you were like, remember when you'd see your dad just pass out and you couldn't ever understand it? Like, yeah. It's like, do you understand it now? 100 percent man 100 or even all the shit your parents told you and then Absolutely. you catch yourself saying it you're like oh my god my dad <gasps> i can't believe i just said i that. know i know that's great i say stuff about like safety stuff to the kids all the time and they're way too old oh, to, i know they're yeah. way they're way too i'll uh, be careful <laughs> i'm like what the fuck where in the shit did that come from like you should be in like a nightgown with like rollers in your hair yeah. and shaking be a careful stick. out be there careful out there oh my god <laughs> It's I don't like, know if that's what Rosie looked like. Barb didn't look like that either, but I think I think you in a nightgown with rollers in your hair would be great. Rosie does complain like that a lot. She right. talks like that. That is true. So that was pretty accurate account. Rosie's great. All right, we talked about just about everything possible here today, and uh, so I think we're going to take this one in. Awesome. Reel her in. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never strength. See you later.